This podcast is supported by Siemens, your partner for industrial grade AI. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our industrial AI podcast. My name is Robert Weber, and today we are going to talk about robotics, and I invited two guests, Patrick Heimburger. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Robert. Thanks for the invitation. And Ismail Shokri. Hello, Ismail. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having us. We want to talk about fruit core and large language models and industrial AI, but before we start, please introduce yourself briefly to the listeners, Patrick. Yeah, my name is Patrick Heimburger. I am one of the two managing directors of Fruitcore Robotics. The other uh, managing director is Jens Rieger, who is also a co-founder of the company. In total, we are five co-founders and started with Fruitcore in 2017. I was studying industrial engineering um, during that time and took over the responsibility for the whole go-to-market topic right from the beginning and um, have this responsibility today as the managing director as well. Okay. Thank you. Ismail, are you also an engineer or you are a data scientist or AI professional? What is your profession? Yeah, I started as an engineer in uh, electrical engineering. Okay. However, I quickly switched and generally the past years I've been working on bringing digital products to the market. I've worked with everything ranging from platform technologies, IoT, smart services. Blockchain. <laughs> No, <laughs> not all of the buzzwords, just okay. some of them. Okay, okay. And Perfect. most recently, generative AI. Mainly, my focus is just the user and how these technologies can make their lives better or at least alleviate some of their pains. Patrick, can you tell us a little bit about Fruitcore? Of course. Here at Fruitcore Robotics, all is about um, the digital industrial robot Horst. That's a German name, Horst, right? Yeah, that's a German name, but it means highly optimized robotic systems technology. And um, that is what it's all about. So we have this complex topic of automation, of intelligent automation, and we want to uh, make this as easy as possible. And that's why the, the easy name Horst stands for what we do. Yeah, we have these automation solutions. And what is quite unique about the solutions is that we focus on the whole process and we use the latest technology. I mean, that's uh, the reason why we are talking about AI with you today. Let's look at this in detail now. So you are focused on hardware or software? We started with hardware. We have three robot models ranging from 600 millimeters of reach to one meter and 40. And yeah, we can move payloads of up to 12 kilograms. But today, it's like in the world of smartphones as well. You, you have to have a good hardware to bring the innovation to users and the benefit to users. But we are also mainly focusing on software and on how to control and realize the whole application as easy as possible. And there, the hardware and the robot arm is only one single component. It's much more um, beneficial for the user if the whole software is easy and um, you have a good user experience. So that is mainly what we are focusing on. Okay, so you build robots, you build software, ecosystem, platforms, operating systems, and you use a large language model. For what exactly, Patrick? I would like to highlight our first touch points with machine learning first. So we started the company in 2017 and came from R&D in robotics. And the major difference of our robot arms lies in the gear. 
And this gear we developed and optimized with machine learning algorithms um, year after year or with one um, special method in, in machine learning. What method was that? It was an, just an optimization algorithm to find the best gear setup. So it's intellectual property, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. And it's, it's really unique what we do there. And what I wanted to say basically is that from the beginning of Fruitcore Robotics, it was about how to make a very intelligent solution. And we had this experience um, regarding the hardware and soon realized that the machine learning, but also the overall artificial intelligence topic is a big booster for robotics and automation. And like this, we were developing an operating system to configure the whole process, not only the robot arm. And the, the operating system was set up to be perfect to use artificial intelligence and technologies like GPT that we're talking today perfectly. So yeah, it was just our background that we focused on AI from the beginning and this brought us in a good position to prepare it for today's situation. You use the LM or the chat GPT for what exactly now at Horst or at the operating system? So generally the operating system has its focus not just on the robot like Patrick said, but also on all the components. So anyone who's tried to automate their production line before will quickly tell you they don't just get a robot in the package, but also nine other components, a scanner for safety, a camera, and so on. So you have the integration of all these components now in HostOS. Then you have the step where you tell the system after you've connected everything what it should do. And then you basically arrive at home where the robot should spend the most time doing work and not being programmed. And we tried in each of these three steps that anyone automating their production line goes through to find a use case for LLMs that makes that step easier. So one question, you have the robot, then you add a camera maybe or a gripper to the robot, right? Yeah. And then you have a conveyor belt maybe. Can you describe a little bit the process or the setting? I can give you more details about this. So the operating system, it has um, three areas. One is the component management. And there it is about integrating and configuring all components that Ismail just mentioned. So you really set up, for example, the camera in our user interface, which is a huge difference to today's competition landscape. There, usually, if you have the tablet of the robot, you just configure the robot arm. And we have now this component management area where you configure all other devices as well. So you have one single point of control. And there you have, as Ismail said, the possibility to access the AI co-pilot, which we implemented. And like this, you can have a much easier access and configuration of the components. I think we can uh, dig deeper into this later. I just mentioned the second area of HostOS first. This is after the components are configured in the component management, you have the program creation. So First, you configure the components, the communication, and so on. And then you create the, the program itself. So what movements does the robot do? Which step follows the next step? And so on, until you have a whole application which is automated. And the third area in the operating system is Home, which um, Ismail mentioned. There, you have a completely customizable screen. And... You can configure this just for your um, requirements and for your particular needs. Um, so, for example, one user needs to change the light of the camera every other week. 
And now you can have a shortcut in our user interface to the camera software so that you just have the camera light setting in one click and you do not have to install the laptop, connect the laptop to the camera. And then there you have to open the software of the camera and change it there, but you can access it just with one click um, in our user interface. And additionally, you can add dashboards there to see the overall equipment um, effectiveness. So for example, how many parts did the robot put into the machine today? You see whether they passed the quality check or not. You can just customize this home screen so that the user or the person that oversees this um, application has the right information and the right configuration options right on one screen. And now this is the basis, the host operating system for the whole application. And there we added the AI Copilot to help with just one swipe on every screen. And that is, I think, the big advantage. So I want to come back to this Copilot you mentioned, Patrick, because do I have to enter a prompt then and ask your operating system to do something? Or what is the idea, Ismail? Yeah, so we've put this AI Copilot layer on top of all three steps. It's based on a large language model. It's also based on currently the OpenAI language models. Starting this year, OpenAI released an API that you can use. So we don't, you no longer need to use the web app of OpenAI to chat with the language models, but you can integrate them into your own app and we leverage that to provide different features. So yes, you have to enter a prompt We also have prompt suggestions depending on the context of where you're currently at. So basically like frequently asked questions, but answered in a dynamic way. Can you give us an example? Let's do an example maybe with a camera, installing a camera at the robot. Can we go through this process with a prompt and with a, with a large language model? Yeah, so the camera is actually my favorite example because it's one of the more complex components in a automation system. So already when trying to connect the camera, people run into issues. For example, what is the IP address of the camera? How can I access it? And also this camera has maybe a hundred pages of PDF documentation that you would have to go through, not just for the camera, but also for the other components. With the AI Copilot, you can just ask, for example, how do I calibrate the camera? This will Using all the information we fed it before, and I can explain that later, it can tell you exactly in steps how to calibrate the camera. The next step is actually using the camera and not just setting it up. In using the camera, you still have to write a lot of code to extract, for example, the camera is often used to detect the location of an object that needs to be grabbed and gives you back some coordinates. And just to extract these coordinates, there is no standard. So every camera from different manufacturers is handled differently. And there comes the other advantages, uh, the other advantage of language models, which is not just text generation, but also code generation. Yeah, code interpreter is a new kid in the block. Yeah, exactly. So you can ask it, how do I get the coordinates from the camera? It creates directly a function for you within the system, which you can then use. So you no longer have to know how to code to be able to set up and use the camera. How accurate is that? Like with every large language model, it depends on the data you feed it. So with the camera, which the example you took, it's pretty accurate since it's one of our focus components. So we have had used this camera for the last several years. We have a lot of example code. So the more code you provide the large language model beforehand, 
the better the results. How do you train this model? With what kind of data? Because you mentioned this API and everybody is a little bit afraid about this API and where are the data now? Are my data going to Microsoft or who has this data? There was the Samsung case who trained with privacy with some data on the chat GPT. So can you give us a little bit more details about the training and what kind of data sets you use? Before we dig deeper into the details, I would just give a short overview. So the concept that we want to realize is that we have preferred components, as Ismail said, which we train and which we select for the perfect and needless integration into our systems. So we have selected big use cases and very um, relevant components. And these components are part of the training and they have the most benefits because they just fit perfectly to our value proposition. So it is about these components first. However, it is a completely open um, approach that we have so that um, users or solution builders can add additional components. But we do the most work regarding this um, preferred components to have the like plug and play experience there. And that is what the training now is about, just to have this first ecosystem and first solutions, which are really um, seamless regarding the integration. So do you have new requirements for your suppliers? No. So um, I think that is really about the uh, training um, and Ismail can talk about that a little bit. Ismail, please go on. Exactly. For the listeners asking what's the difference between Fruitcore, AI Copilot and ChatGPT, I like often to think of it this way. So the a OpenAI large language model is like a student who's freshly graduated from university. Let's say mechanical engineering, let's call her Gwen. Gwen has a lot of knowledge, both theoretical and general. She knows some stuff about mechanical engineering, hopefully. But now Gwen starts working at a robotics company for one or two years. Now, all of a sudden, of course, you can ask Gwen now completely different questions on expert knowledge that you couldn't ask her two years ago. And the same applies to the Fruitcore AI Copilot. There are services offered by OpenAI where you can train the large language model with the expert knowledge that we've gathered over the last decade. And this way, like Gwen, the AI Copilot can answer domain-specific questions that OpenAI would not be able to or ChatGPT would not be able to. And how we get this information into the system is the next question. I'm assuming it's the next question. And there are two ways to do that. They both have advantages and disadvantages, and we're currently using both for different use cases. The first is fine-tuning. I won't go into too much detail about, because you can watch YouTube videos about that. Fine-tuning is basically you provide the language model with more prompt answer pairs, hence the knowledge base is larger. So we basically give Gwen a lot of things to read before you ask her anything at all. The other is uh, RAG or Retrieval Augmented Generation. What you do there is you take your knowledge base, you vectorize it into numbers because computers, unlike humans, prefer numbers or unlike most humans prefer numbers. And when you enter a prompt or when users enter a prompt, you first get the relevant part from your knowledge base and send that to the chat completion. So what you're doing is you're giving Gwen, let's say, just one page to read before asking her the question. One question. Do you extend the prompt with automation, robotics, domain expertise? Because there are other companies who extended the prompt with, with knowledge in the background. 
Yeah, that's basically what RAG does. It extends the prompt with this domain knowledge. With the domain knowledge that comes out of the embeddings and comparing the prompt first to this context, then it takes the context and appends it to the prompt. I think this is where we are one step ahead at the moment because you see some solutions in automation already where you can realize this part of asking basic questions about the functionality or about yeah, some superficial issues. And because we do it like this already today, we have the possibility to do a program creation and really realize code between the components. For example, the interface between a camera and our robot system with a syntax which is right for the use case. And therefore, of course, we have to specify and give the system lots of domain knowledge compared to just uh, making it easier to access support documentation. So I think the advantage um, is much bigger there. So this is just uh, important to know. So Ismay, GPT is called a large language model, and large means a lot of data. But when we now talk to each other, I assume that Fruitcore has not as much data as OpenAI. How can you work with small data sets also in this large language model? Or can you go a little bit into details? Yeah, the data that Fruitcore has is definitely less than the data available on the internet. But you don't need more, you need better data. The data is completely specific to what people are trying to ask and trying to figure out. And we don't deploy a small large language model. We are adapting the ChatGPT language models. So we still have this large base. It's still the ask the question is going to the cloud and having access to all this knowledge base. But what I will say, what we did there to not be dependent on third parties and because there's a lot happening, like just last week, Llama 2 came out. Even this year, GPT-4 came out. A lot of language lots, yeah. Exactly. They also once in Germany, like Alep Alpha, what we did is build the system modularly so you can replace the language model behind it. Hopefully in the future also, you already raised concerns about privacy and Microsoft. So maybe it's even an option that when you are applying to the service from Foodcore, that you can choose whether you want to pay more for a local service, whether you want to have it hosted on your own systems. But for now, we of course, compared to different ones. And we had the best results with GPT-4 or GPT-3.5 Turbo, which is why we're using that. But I'm pretty sure the local models, the smaller ones also, like from Llama, in the future will be a big topic. So you mentioned cloud. Do then I share as a customer data with OpenAI? Because when I enter now my configurations? No, currently the data set we use to train the model is data from Fruitcore. So the language model now knows how to configure a camera, but it does not know what programs you are writing, what camera you are using. We are thinking about sharing some non-sensitive information that makes asking easier. So for example, if we tell the system already that you have a SIGPLOCK 2D as a camera, then you don't have to ask every time, how do I configure a SIGPLOCK 2D? But you then just ask, how do I configure my camera? So it has advantages. It will definitely be something you have to opt into optionally. But right now we are not using that information. And this privacy issue is something where we gathered a lot of experience in the past. So with our robots, they are intelligent 
also regarding the connectivity features. So we ship all robots with SIM cards, but these SIM cards allow the user just, it's it's in form of an IIT um, stick. So the user can decide whether um, they plug it in or not, um, because we are fully aware about this privacy issue. And there are lots of customers that just do not want to share information about the application or about their specific use case. And there, of course, nothing will be communicated to neither to us nor to other external parties. But as well, users see the benefits also regarding, for example, service issues today. Um, with the SIM cards, we can access the robots if customers want this. We can help them optimize the programs that they have. So the output gets higher from remote with this feature. And of course, if users see this benefit, I think it's, yeah, it's a learning curve. Then you also um, have a better acceptance to share data. I mean, yeah, it's it's the same for every one of us that if you see your benefit, you are more open regarding a new technology or, and regarding sharing your data. And I think it's about this learning curve. And the standard setup, I would say, is that you have the full privacy and the full industrial um, suitability. Only if you want to access um, this feature, you can add the co-pilot features and the exchange with the co-pilot function. Patrick, is the co-pilot or the LLM behind for you just a better user face or is it a new paradigm of programming robots? I think it's, um, it's developing step by step. At the, the idea on a long run is definitely a new paradigm. We allow for an easy programming already today with a graphical twin of the robot you can move it today on the the panel and the robot moves in real time so you do not need prior knowledge to realize complex applications so i'm not talking about easy applications it's really about complex applications today with loading and unloading of cnc machines for example or quality inspections things like that but in future You will need even less prior knowledge. It's not only about the graphical programming, but it's a combination. So, for example, you could do the rough and the program concept by natural language, by just telling the robot, move to the right, then you get the program created. And then you specify the coordinates, for example, by um, graphical programming or even by textual programming. So I think the whole way... Um, of how to program an application will definitely change. But I would not say that it's only about natural language or only about graphical um, programming. So it's a new form and a new combination that we have to find out and that, that brings the most benefits and the easiest and most efficient way uh, to have a good amortization of the robot. Ismail, I want to come back because when we talked about LLMs, a question of our listeners always about this hallucination about the model. How do you prevent this or is it a problem for you? To set expectations, I think you cannot prevent hallucinations completely. There are uh, studies and research just dedicated to that topic. That's not something Fruitcore is going to solve. The effect will depend on how much it disturbs customers in their work. That's why we want to bring out the product quickly and gather feedback. So hallucination is caused sometimes if there are too little information on the topic or there's more noise than truth. If the model tries to learn patterns and then it gets too complex or overfits data, then that leads to hallucination. And my favorite cause of hallucination is creativity because language models are trained not just 
to give you back information, but also to be creative and create novel content. And that's exactly what makes them so impressive. So if you can turn it down with the temperature parameter in the API, but then you lose this impressiveness. And like with humans, I would say the creativity sometimes gets out of hand. But I think usually in my workflow, when I get incorrect information and you notice, you just re-ask the question differently, provide more context. And in our case, since we are already providing a lot of contexts within the system through metadata and tweaking the temperature parameter, you don't need an industrial AI co-pilot to write nice poems. We can limit that creativity and not, it, not let it get out of hand. And one additional info on that is we completely exclude safety-relevant programs because there you do not need any fantasy. There's a strict rules that you have to follow and our robots are high performance, though, so they are fast, they move high payloads. And like this, we have to exclude everything related to our um, safety PLC, the safety communication, and also things like configuring the safety area, for example, with a safety sensor. So this is completely excluded from AI features at the moment. I think there will also be changes regarding the norms and the regulation there. And we would be ready. I think yeah, we, we are really fast in this area, but I think um, related to safety, it's better to move very careful and exclude conservative way. Yes, in this area, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ismail mentioned this feedback. What is the feedback like and how much time does the user then save? Maybe with a camera example, Patrick. I think the time that you save is immense. This is one factor that you are just faster. So you really, you can imagine this, like we would send you a robot now. You can ask, uh, we would send you a robot and a camera. You did not have um, touch points yet. And you just ask the question, how can I install the communication? And then you get a, a three-step answer of the co-pilot and follow this process and in the third step it says now write the program code to to with the right protocol to install the communication and then you can just tell the ai co-pilot please give me a program code that i can use to realize this communication to ask for the ip address or for no not for the ip address but for the position of the parts for example and then you get this program code and now Compare this dialogue that you have. It's just like a normal dialogue with an AI, with a robot expert. With we send you this robot, we send you the camera, and we send you 300 pages of documentation. And every question that arises, yeah, you have to either call us, search the internet, or just find your way through this complex topic of communication between various cameras, of various manufacturers, and industrial robots. So. It's really a massive increase in efficiency there, but as well, it's an enabler. So before it could easily be um, a complete blocker for automation at all, because if you talk to a company and they say, hey, we just do not have even one expert in this topic or our experts, experts do not have time for this, then you just postpone the robot project. Of course, you do not have the positive economic effects of the robot then. And now this barrier is lowered and you can realize the project. So it's not only about saving the time within the project, but also about enabling to realize more projects. So yeah, it's just lowering the, the barrier to automate um, in general, I think. Ismail, there is a saying in Germany, I must pour water into wine. Do we overestimate LLMs in the industrial sector? 
Some people might be overestimating LLMs in the industrial sector. We were definitely also very hyped at the beginning. That's why the only way to find out what the limitations are, what you can do with it and what you can't do with it is just to try. So that's what we did. I think a few days after the API became available, we were already testing which features can we bring out. And we had tons of ideas that I will tell you most of did not work. But for that, from the 10 ideas... Share one idea, please. <laughs> ideas that did not work. Yeah. I tend to filter out the negative parts. <laughs> I can't think of any idea now that didn't work. Maybe because the best ideas did work in the end. Okay, okay. What other use cases do you see for industrial AI or for industrial AI and robotics? And what is on your agenda at Fruitcore? I think where you see lots of AI usage or uh, uh, different methods of AI is in the vision sector, for example, in the quality inspection sector. But this is not our focus area. So for us, I think on the roadmap, it's really about this easy control of the whole application with a good realization of what we talked about today. And then I think it's just about highlighting the different parts of automation. So definitely, if it is about safety, there could be um, huge benefits when the technology is ready for this Yeah, in the vision area. A predictive safety, maybe, or something like that. Yes, for example, because now you always have these huge safety factors that you have to consider. I think it's a really broad area where it could be helpful for us. I think uh, the, the benefit is huge if we do this issue that we talked about uh, today, right? Ismail, what's your opinion? I agree with Patrick that computer vision is definitely something, especially in automation, where we already talked a lot about the camera today can, for example, uh, improve uh, how, the, how you train the model to detect your objects, automize that, use maybe also synthesized data to detect objects. There's a lot happening in that area, but it's definitely not our focus application. There are companies that are only doing that. Intrinsic, for example. Or SIG. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a good example. I just uh, wanted to mention something um, similar. So, After the vision part and the object recognition, it's all about uh, replacing the human hand. <laughs> so this uh, physical interface between the robot arm and the object is very hard to realize today because you need to, I would like to understand the object. So I, as a human, I perfectly know how to grip um, a pen, for example. Um, but as a robot, you must know where can I touch the object, which forces can I apply, And I think also in this area of how to realize this interface, this is also what Intrinsic is looking at. This area is also an area where you have huge data sets and a huge gap today <laughs> of, of how, how good the technology is and how good it should be. My last question is, you have an operating system. And now you mentioned this vision models, for example, and the vision AI. What role does explainability of these models of the of these models play in the future that the people the people who work with a robot get why is it like this why is a suggestion to do this is it something we need to think about when we who have an operating system to explain the worker what is happening with the ai in the operating system so i started with the explanation of what host stands for <laughs> it's funny that you ask this question now because we have thought about the term there you know the term ask me anything ama and we have invented <laughs> ask host anything 
So uh, this is the aha. We want to make this in a playful way so that the user can just find out wh where the AI Copilot can help. And we will provide videos and easy explanation to make this uh, deep tech accessible. And I think it's not our mission to make this yeah, very theoretical briefing and um, information of, of the community, but we want to make it in our way <laughs> that it's just playful and, and easy to access and that you learn by doing it and by realizing. Ismail, is it your job to deliver explainability in an operating system in the future? I think it's self-explanatory, which is why I would like to just invite anyone who's interested to contact us for testing. We have we are launching a beta phase of HostOS, including the AI Copilot. And I think when you've used it a few times, you understand why it's suggesting that and not something different. And um, you always need, it will not give you the best answer. If you think your answer is better and you're wondering why is it suggesting that, then go ahead with yours, trust your instinct. And I think you'll always need that factor. Patrick? Ismail, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for your talk about the co-pilot by Fruitcore. Thank you very much. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Bye.